Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. On today, talking with Justin Beals, the CEO and co-founder of StrikeGraph. So Justin, quite a while, quite a bit of experience in the industry, 20 plus years, background in telco, but then you've been on the startup path for or so different startups. I always love to talk to another fellow entrepreneur. I'm kind of probably my second venture and uh, hoping to see that that be fruitful. But uh, I, I always love the energy in, uh, with entrepreneurs and uh, the uh, the drive to, to make something from nothing or make something new. Love it. But welcome today. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks. It's a pleasure to join. I, I really appreciate it. I actually, I kind of like to say that I, the title I'm most proud of in my career is founder. Exactly for that point, you you get that opportunity to try and build something that may not have existed before. Absolutely, I definitely uh, feel pretty much the same way with uh, with everything that I've I've put together. Uh, so, but if I said, you know, how did you get there? People don't start out at founder level. They, you know, actually, you could you could say, I'm going to do a startup and boom. But it sounds like you have quite an extensive background prior to that. And in the security level, usually it takes quite a bit of, of knowledge on the ground before you get to the point where you can throw something together that's new and, and, and different. Tell us about your path in life and what, what drives you, what makes you tick. Yeah, um, I, I definitely hacked my way into a computer science career. Um, and I don't think that's a traditional approach anymore. But back, back then in the um, mid-90s, you could get engaged early on and grow with the industry in a way. Uh I always was interested in computers, even in grade school. I learned to program Apple Basic and uh, was interested in networking equipment. I um, I surfed the internet before it was an internet when it was just IP addresses and mail lists and really saw it blossom. Um, I, I got a liberal arts degree, but after college, I um, I wanted to work in a, in a fast-moving industry and was able to secure a position at British Telecom as a network security engineer. So I worked in telecom initially, but then I wanted to build new product. And so I learned to program and worked as a consultant programmer, as an engineer for a number of different consulting agencies, always interested in entrepreneurship. And in 2000, uh, I founded a services business in Atlanta, Georgia as the CEO. And that was a bootstrap business. Um, I grew it to 2009 and uh, sold it in 2009 when we had about 130 consultants globally. And our specialization was enterprise education software. And I did a lot of work in large-scale content management systems and uh, the analytics around those deep content management systems. And that was kind of the kickoff. I've done a ton of startups since then all over the place, everything from AIML uh, to master's degrees in education uh, to... Um, to hiring practices. Uh, it's been really exciting. And the latest one is, of course, StrikeGraph, which has been fun to build. Interesting. So, you know, I didn't hear a lot of, you know, deep 
you know, crypto or security in there. Liberal arts. Um, what was your what was your first degree? If you don't mind me asking, <laughs> I don't mind at all. Uh, it's a theater degree, uh, which is kind of an interesting combo for not only an entrepreneur, but many times I play the role as a CTO, like a, a tech leader inside of an organization. And certainly one of the really important skills is being able to describe complex technology and issues around technology for other folks across the business. And mm -hmm. so I, I would say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually really proud of my theater degree. I think it's been a, a big help uh, in my career and um, it's given me a skill set that, um, that has allowed me to operate in other spaces, maybe that weren't strictly technical. Interesting. Um, we're going to take a break here from our sponsors, but I, I also heard in there some education and uh, we want to know, you know, I know we talked before about how you got started and uh, in compliance and the tracking of what companies need to do to be in compliance, but started from some other, some other, applications and processes in the back end. We'll be back after we hear from our sponsors. We're back in a minute. BlockFrame technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today with Justin Beals, the CEO and founder of StrikeGraph. Uh, before the break, we were talking about you know your background, how you got to where you're at, what you're doing at StrikeGraph, and I know from from us talking that that StrikeGraph is you're working on compliance and organizing it for companies. More from the business standpoint, though, what's the business need? Um, and it started other than as a compliance tool. Tell us about kind of the progression of what you saw when you started and then what, you know, what that's led to in security compliance. Yeah. So I, um, one of the things that the way I got introduced to the compliance issue was as a CTO, trying to support our sales teams and going and closing enterprise deals. So the first thing that I experienced when we started talking about security compliance was that this was going to be a sales asset. And, and that was a, a big shift in my perspective about security in general, because even, even when in early in my career, you are interested in security, even as a, the, a software developer, because you need to make sure that AI is, API is locked down or the form field uh, works appropriately. And so it is a thread you're always pulling on. You're just not a deep expert in the testing or the execution always of cybersecurity practices. So for all of a sudden, our security practices to be a part of the sales conversation was a real shift for me. And uh, I was excited about it because I thought, man, now that we are starting to see these standards emerge that we can measure security postures against, uh, I see this really interesting ethical cycle where I can turn our security practices into a value prop for our relationships with our customers. And that if I can catalog and measure our security practices, then 
we will use it to convince customers to trust us. I just thought that was super exciting to work with. Interesting. So turning security tools into measurement of value proposition. I like that. Let's uh, unpack that a little more and say, how do you use that for the value proposition? How does that measurement translate? Yeah, I think there's a couple of critical innovations that help us do that. One of the first shifts is that you really want a control-centric security operation. So security controls are nice type phrases about a specific security process that some group or organization or a whole company are going to adopt on a regular basis. You can give it an owner and you can collect data about that operation so you can measure whether or not it was operated. So now we're taking these practices from these security controls, aligning tests with them, testing the operation of the security control and being able to measure that security control as being operated. When we get a business accepted standard like SOC 2 or ISO 27001, we can look at the mapping of those controls onto the standard and say that we met the standard. Mm-hmm. And that is the that is the currency in a in a transaction between two businesses these days. I'm willing to share data with you so that I can buy your product if you are SOC 2 certified or ISO 27001 certified because an independent group has done an assessment of your security practices and I can bring a level mm-hmm. of trust. So do you have a level, let's say level, you said level of trust, a level of trust or a maturity that you say, here's where they're, where they're at and here's mm-hmm. how that compares to other people. And in order to get there, our software measures how well they've done 2700 and gives them a level. That's and they right. Hide that even on their marketing brochure. Yes. So they can say, you know, we are SOC 2 audited. And that not only that, in the sales motion, they can produce the report of all the controls that were tested and the description of the system that was tested itself, along with the assurance from a certified public accountant, especially for a SOC 2 specifically, that this group has been through some independent testing. Much like if I were a buyer in the marketplace and I said, I want a, um, a penetration test done by a certified pen tester. You're really asking that someone has gone in and double checked your claims independently. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I said, who is using these type of forward projections in marketing? Is it huge companies? Is it midsize? Is it new emerging startups? Where is that that value mostly? At the company, you know, I, I'm thinking I'm a struggling startup. I'm not going to be, you know, putting that, defining that out there too much because I, you don't have five people working on compliance and going through that yeah. process internally. Where, at what level of company is that differentiation making sense in the marketplace? Yeah. Six years ago, when I first hit this problem as a CTO supporting my company, uh, we hit it because our customers were mostly Fortune 50 financial institutions. And so they were, you could say they were leading the edge five to six years ago of requiring their vendors to go through one of these security audits. Today, we have seen it infect the marketplace where even small early stage startups that want to work with small early stage startups are requiring between their relationship that they receive one of these audits. Part of it is that the audits are designed to infect from the perspective that part of the standard will require appropriate vendor management measures. Mm -hmm. 
And so you then you this? start to, to want your okay. vendors to meet your standard as well. Gotcha. Your standard becomes a moving target. Let's say, um, I heard you say fintech, military. Yeah. Is that a big one? What other type of key industries are you seeing that that is in? Mm -hmm. I think that uh, we see two broad categories of these types of standards. Some are very general business. So it doesn't quite matter what type of business you are. The standard is designed to just fit across the board. Uh, that would mm -hmm. include things like SOC 2 or ISO 27001 or something like GDPR or privacy, just like, hey, you need to generally keep data private. Then there are industry-specific standards like HIPAA for healthcare in the United States. Uh, there's another similar one uh, internationally that, that depending on the country you're working in, um, we've seen PCI DSS for fintech institutions have been around for a long time. For DOD, uh, the new CMMC standard, which is the NIST 853 subset from the NIST 800 standard set, uh, we're seeing that adopted. And just for general federal government in the United States would be something like FedRAMP, um, which is also a NIST subset standard. Yeah. Do, I, you know, I hear, once again, I hear that, um, you know, if I need to follow a compliance, I'm going to look for a tool like this and then maybe use it to say, here's how I compare uh, positively against my competitors. Is there any, you know, use of that, of, of the whole process to say, let me differentiate myself because my market doesn't do this. And look, I'm advertising that we are the best in the market because we we do this better than everybody else. Yeah, I certainly think that um, there are constantly evolving standards and this there is like a standards marketplace. We try to support all of them. One of the things that we've found is that if you were to take a Venn diagram of almost all the security standards, they about 80% cover each other. So achieving one can be significant progress towards another. Um, so one of the things we've seen uh, from that perspective is we've seen customers essentially go for SOC 2 and then turn around and get HIPAA because they look stronger from a maturity perspective or mm -hmm. lean into both ISO 27001 and SOC 2. Uh, so what they will start to gather are multiple standards. And what we're going to see over time, if we play it forward, is the standards are going to get more and more specific to specific industries and what they provide. Gotcha. Okay. So we're going to hear from our, our sponsors real quick, but I wanted to kind of give you something to think about during the break as we come back is, you know, when I watch the evolution of standards, um, they change every year. There's a whole new thing, a whole new set of what What do I have to do? What am I? And then, you know, the enforcement of them never really gets 100%. And there's a new one coming out. And we get this rolling, rolling, you know, well, I'm not going to chase that until I have to. Um, and we'll see because every, every, the last three of them, nobody really enforced that we had to chase them. It was gonna be and then we change it before we got there the rolling target but we're going to talk about that when we come back we'll be right back in a minute Blockframe technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. 
unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today, talking with Justin Beals, the CEO and founder of StrikeGraph. Uh, and we were talking before the break about the, the kind of the nature of the rolling target when it comes to compliance uh, and keeping up with that. And, you know, everybody that makes a compliance tool or is in that market so often, you know, I ask them this question, like, if this year I have to comply with NIST, NIST 171 and everybody's saying that's going to happen, but then next year CMMC comes out and they're like, oh, well, we'll just throw out NIST 171. And the next year something new comes out and we just, if we don't do anything, we kind of get rid of all the work that we might have had to do and just we'll wait until we actually have to do it. How do you keep up with that rolling target? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that is helpful in these situations is, and I'm going to sound like an engineer, is an abstraction layer. Essentially, you need to abstract what is good security for your organization away from the standards. You need to separate them a little bit. You need to say, and, and, and this is certainly kind of my advice in rolling out a security posture, what are the risks to this organization? What day, you know, do the do the actual traditional security design process. What risks are we mitigating? What controls have we adopted so we mitigate those risks? Who is the owner of those controls? And what would I ask for as a CISO or a security leader to validate that that process happened? What do I want to see? Um, then you can map those security controls across multiple standards. And that's really the only way, I think, to manage this go forward, because there will always be new standards to your point, right? But you don't want to change your security posture every time a new standard comes out. You want to have a security posture that you like for your organization and then say, oh, you know what? I'm three or four controls away from meeting this new standard or the changes that happened. And mm -hmm. and so I I and I think honestly that's a better security, better more efficient security, and also the one that teams seem to be willing to operate because they feel like it really matters, like they're doing the things that matter to the business. Yeah, and uh, so if you had to say when, when you're looking across what things come in your door, the pain points that that you're hearing the most most often, what what might you say maybe the top three would be? Yeah, I think the first one that we hear quite a bit is that the traditional audit firms in a consultative way are very expensive and very time consuming. And it is difficult to um, adjust to the cost and pain and the nuance of experts trying to define the nth degree of complexity around your security posture. Mm -hmm. um, and really, uh, one of the things that I'm passionate about is giving the organization itself the tools to design the security posture that fits it. It knows its business the best. It understands in a lot of ways what matters for itself. And while consultants can give good confidence, they can't necessarily solve the problems and they don't know your business as well as you do. So that's one pain point. The second thing is that we we need, um, we, we have these uh, 
teams, well, not even team, we'll have like an individual, like the CISO is managing compliance and they're sending emails out to almost everybody once a week, begging them to get this data in this spreadsheet or something they asked to in the past. It's actually not the way security should operate. And so the other pain point is how do I distribute responsibility for the different aspects of security across my organization. So I'm, I can be a little more forward-looking as a CISO about what we want to achieve and rely on, on us as an operational capacity doing security. And the, the final thing that is a big pain point is the testing in an audit can feel very capricious. You get one auditor, one test and another auditor the next year, and they will come back with different results. And I think that's something that I'm also very passionate about as well, is that if you're actually going to do testing against a standard, it should be really easily understood whether or not you're going to meet that standard before you ever go into testing. There's no need other than for it to be obtuse or difficult or complex to operate for you not to know that you're doing the right things. Interesting. So um, as far as you know, or business across different areas, I, I would often say that you know, you you had mentioned before that you know is if, if a company has a product used for fintech and they use the same product for medical, you have a different different compliance, um, and and that you know oftentimes that's rolling in and as the the requirements for privacy of of what your what your your application is doing either the user's information, the user's actions, or you know whatever is really that that big piece that changes between organizational use, between demographic use uh, of a, a particular application or service. Um, right. Do you, do you see, and I know we didn't really, you, we talked before you mentioned privacy, but I didn't hear it in there this time as yeah. a, as a large concern that that's, you know, I think you're talking all around it, but just not saying the word privacy. And that's really what that is. I, I see them as conjoined, right? Security and privacy. In some ways, security is in service of privacy outcomes that you would like to see an organization achieve. Um, there are also standards that are very privacy centric. Um, for example, in SOC 2, you know, SOC 2 is broken down to five different areas. And so there is the basic security area, plus there is an optional area that an organization can include called privacy. And it mm -hmm. comes with specific testing mechanisms for the privacy, you know, the, the activities towards ensuring privacy that a company will undergo. And so oftentimes when we're talking with a customer, we will drive that way. We're like, hey, look, if you if privacy is a big liability risk for you and, you know, things like encryption and the security work that you're doing drive in service of those privacy outcomes, why not also you know, get the extra certificate, get the extra little bit of company maturity and sales asset to say, hey, we did SOC 2 and we didn't just do security. We did the extra privacy testing as well, because if you're going to do the work to meet a privacy standard, it, it's it's worth every penny to go get tested on it and be able to share that with every potential lead that comes in the door that wants to buy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting. So um, kind of looking at, you know, we want to offer our listeners some some advice. What type of self help? You know, you're in the industry. You obviously have a good sampling of what what people walk in the door with, what issues they're trying to solve. You know, what do you recommend? Here's here's the steps one, two, three of of self help uh, to get 
you know, some advancement to cover or to not experience the pain that most of our customers are coming in uh, seeing? Yeah. One of the things I would say to smaller organizations, let's say early or mid-stage startups, is that what we see broadly is this is coming for almost every corner of the marketplace. And we see it consistently kind of infecting even the services industry in some ways that vendors get caught up in this requirement around one of these audits or certifications. Um, there is an ability to, to peanut butter out the, the energy effort and internal time required to do it. There's nothing wrong with starting early and learning how to use predefined processes that drive towards security outcomes, even if you're not getting an audit on it just yet. So in some way, contribute a little bit of time to building that cultural muscle as you're building your company. And when it does creep up on you and all of a sudden you have an RFP and you feel like it's critical to have, hopefully by that time you'll have partners and practice kind of in place to move quickly. Um, we're seeing a slightly different thing on the other end of the scale, which is uh, we're seeing what feels like divisions inside a large enterprise feeling like they have to go off the ranch. And so if I'm a CISO at a large enterprise organization with multiple products, start to think about how you deal with the with each division having different requirements, not only now around security, but the compliance outcomes they're going for. How do you provide leadership in a more federated security compliance environment as opposed to a monolithic structure? Okay, all right. Um, so now uh, just give us a little bit about what you do. Uh, you know, you could give a shout out for your, you know, where your website is, what types of customers are engaging with you and what, what you might be able to help them with. Yeah. So um, the website is strikegraph.com. Um, and uh, certainly uh, if you're interested in contacting anyone on the team, you can do the, so from the chat right there on the website. Um, also, if you're looking for me personally, uh, the best place is LinkedIn, uh, and you can certainly find me on LinkedIn or through the uh, the StrikeGraph group. What StrikeGraph does is that we are a compliance operation and assessment platform. We help our companies design a security posture that matches their business, distribute responsibility for those security operations across your organization, and automate the collection of evidence outside of common cloud technologies. We then take our customers through a testing process two standards so that they can receive a SOC 2 audit or ISO 27001 certification or many, many other standards that you can learn about on our website. Is there a way for them to download and test out the tool or is it something that has to be set up by you? How's, you know, what, how's the complexity look like? Yeah. So we're a SaaS online solution. Uh, so uh, what we generally provide if um, uh, to help our customers go through the sales process is a demo of the solution that use go, usually goes really quickly and they can almost immediately see the value in our perspective on this compliance operations issue and the assessment side. Um, generally, most customers buy without a pilot. Uh, it's fairly apparent how um, efficient and effective the tool is. But for very complex customers, uh, we certainly provide the right type of onboarding methodology where they have a comfort level in the in the commitment that they'd like to make. All right. Well, thank you very much for, for joining today, Justin. Definitely appreciate it and uh, great information and keep up the good work. Pleasure to join. Thanks for having me. Bye. 
We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.